I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts, and your host for today. In the studio with me is performing artist and poet, sweet friend Sean. Welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. Glad to be here. You know, one of my staff members mentioned, uh, suggested you as an interview, and I'm so glad she did. Uh, I've d done a little looking at your work, and I know you've performed uh, down in, at the Old State House, I believe, last... Uh, last summer. Uh, last, last year, in the context of some programming they were having. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do, what what your career looks like right now. Wow. Um, I'm a poet, performing poet, as you mentioned. Um, I'm a recording artist now, having recorded a couple of singles. I'm a composer, songwriter, and producer of live live music productions. So that's it in a nutshell. So so when you perform publicly, it's, it's not just you. You have people around you as well? There are sometimes I perform myself and other times I have a, a group of people. About I, I employ about 14 to 20 people per production now. Wow. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. And and what's the range of the types of people that you engage in in what you do? Oh, well, the good news is all local performers. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud to say local performers and the age range varies. Um, but they are poets, dancers, visual artists, singers and musicians. So it really is a multidisciplinary type approach that you use. It is. It absolutely is. We call it soul opera, telling stories of love and life using poetry, music and song. So we improv, we have dance Dancing to tell the story sometimes. We have all kinds of, like you said, disciplines to help tell the story. We pick a theme every show. Um, the next thing will be called Love and Hip Hop based on the movie Love and Hip Hop. Oh, great. Now, now um, when, when you perform, I assume it's a different combination of performers based on where you are and what you do. What, yes. what, what's the range or what are some of the types of venues where you appear? Oh, wow. Sometimes I perform what we call acoustic sets with just me and a musician. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones we do at coffee houses, as you mentioned, for the Delaware Division of Arts, for some programming. I do them in um, libraries, more small intimate settings. I produce smaller shows myself in museums and things like that. And then we have the larger productions, which happen in places like World Cafe Live, um, the Clef Club in Philadelphia. Um, and that's where we bring out all the um, bells and whistles, so to speak. <laughs> it's really fascinating what, what you do in the range of places and the range of performances that you do. Um, let, let's go backwards in time a little bit. Um, how did you get started with this? Uh, what were some of your inspirations? Uh, how did you get to where you are today? Wow, I was always a writer. I've always enjoyed words. I've always done well with that. And um, so that was a natural evolution to when I got introduced to poetry in elementary school, middle school, on um, the Maya Angelos, the Nikki Giovannis of the world. And then later on, I got um, introduced to Rumi. And um, I just, it helped develop my stories, like what I wanted to write about. And, uh, Actually, it was a. Tra I want to tell the audience this. It was a traumatic experience. I was going through a divorce, and I had nothing to do. It was my first time without my children and my family. They were going away for the week, and I had nothing to do. And I saw this poetry jazz thing happening in Philadelphia. I had never driven to Philly and all that. And I said, I'm going to go check it out. And I went, and it just moved me. It resonated with my spirit. And after a few weeks, um, I was challenged to get on stage. And as they say, the rest is history. Hmm. That's really interesting. Could you speak to um, the art as as not only a process, but as as how it helps work helped you work through? Oh yeah, things? absolutely. Um, a 
first thing is that, you know, it helped me find a place I was comfortable. I never performed my poetry. I'd always written it. I'd always share just in writing through cards to family and friends. So I never really thought anyone would be interested in hearing my voice, so to speak. So they actually created a safe space for me to try things out with music. And from that, I was able to write even more about the challenges I was going through. And it resonated with some other people, mostly women in the audience. You know, I had one poem. It was called Thank You, Dear X. And they loved it. And it was like, please help us because it talked about the pain and the traumatic. It was a story in a poem. You know, it comes to a climax and then you start your healing process. And it, writing has helped me heal and I use it now performing I use it to help others feel good or work through processes or to really basically stay encouraged that's why we call the overall division peace love and poetry mm-hmm. now I, I was doing a little reading before uh, we came into the studio uh, could you talk a little bit about your your background in music what kind of training do you have because I, I read something about the oboe yes but but also I, I think some sports I mean it really yes. it sounded like a really wide a varied uh, school experience. yes yeah great for me middle school and high school was a great experience for me it was really where I really began to develop and and tap into things, experiences. I, I had great teachers. They introduced me to, um, I had one uh, um, journalism journalism teacher mm-hmm. who introduced me to French cuisine and took us out to fine restaurants, you know, and I was a young girl from Northeast Wilmington, you know, North Wilmington. I had no idea these things existed. And then I went to music class and you know how you played a recorder mm-hmm. and I had a music teacher. He was desperate to fill some positions. <laughs> so he put this oboe on my hand and I didn't know A was a double re instrument, <laughs> one of the hardest things to play. <laughs> had no clue. I was able to get sound from it. He was like, ah, you're going to be my oboe. So I'm like, okay, what Whatever that means, you know. And before I knew it, before I left middle school, I was playing classical music. Uh-huh. And it really, that's what gives me an ear now for sound and tune. And I can hear if a, if a um, vocalist is good. I can hear gifts because I have that background. Uh-huh. And I played all the way through college. And I also was a point guard on a basketball team through uh-huh. college at Lincoln uh-huh. University. So all of that diverse background, A, it kept me busy. My mother, I really had no reason to want to go home. School mm-hmm. was my life. And I, so I did anything to stay until that 6 o'clock bus or whatever, you know. And um, so I did something every season, all the time. And those things helped me. Like, it helped build my stamina physically. Um, you know, just knowing how to compete and know how to be a team player. I'm still close friends with a lot of my team members from middle school, mm-hmm. you know. My coach from middle school, we're still in touch. Th- thank God to face for Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those relationships help me um, understand and appreciate human relationships and the value of the journey and how people come along during this life and it helps you and you never know until you look back in hindsight what how gifted you were for having them in your life and so all of that has come full circle for me um, I get to do music the sports helps me from a business standpoint be able to see big pictures know when to pass the ball so to uh-huh. speak you know the um, classical music um, gives me an ear for for, for hearing things and then I was also I created a, a step team they call them now uh, when I was in high school we didn't have one mm-hmm. I created a step mm-hmm. team so that gave me my leadership and my urban type of flair like I was able to pull that together so um, and create start creating things so 
I'm just blessed that I had a great school experience that really became the foundation for what I do. And then I went into the military mm-hmm. as well. So that helped me learn learn the importance of just, oh, I mean, I, it's prices. I can't even begin to tell you all the things I've learned being in the military. You know what I mean? And also as an artist, it helped me appreciate structure. Mm-hmm. Because as an artist, I hated time management. I hated all that stuff. I didn't want. It. I wanted everything to be loose and free all the time. But it helped me to work in the parameters of structure and still be who I am. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Just a just an incredibly diverse career. Now you you grew up in Wilmington. Yes. And you're still based in Wilmington. Yes. How has your your career, your your performing career, uh, sort of helped you to make connections? Oh wow. Um, it's evolved as Wilmington's artistic culture has evolved. I'm, and I think that um, being one of the first people to create um, open mics and creative outlets in Wilmington, it kind of, it kind of um, puts me out there as one of the founding mothers, so to mm-hmm. speak. You know, um, so sometimes my name precedes me because people have already heard about me, and then um, what it does for me as an artist, it. Like I said, I've evolved, and so people come to me for my expertise. It makes me almost a subject matter expert in Wilmington. And I'm blessed that people in Philadelphia or wherever, when they, anytime you mention Delaware, they're like, you got to call Sweet. If you're an artist, you're going through Delaware, you got to call Sweet, you know. And that helps me a lot. So outside of here, people from North Carolina, as far as North Carolina and Atlanta, they have come to my shows if they're home on vacation, you know, during the holidays, and they're like, oh, I heard, you know, Franchine or Sweet Franchine is having a show. So all of that has helped just the years of being rooted in Wilmington, having worked with for the city of Wilmington, having been an executive director of the a community center, you know, all of those things have kept me connected and rooted in the in the Wilmington community and always an advocate for small business. I've always been an advocate more for micro business and to helping people understand the difference between small business and micro business and being an advocate for that. And so all of those things, like I said, life has come full circle. I get to use all of that right now in my life and I feel so very, very blessed. Tell me where does the name come from? Ah, sweet Franchon. Ah, good question. Well, sweet. Well, Franchon is my birth name. Right. right. And sweet S U I T E is a play on the word, of course. You know, because when I looked up, sweet was like, oh, it's always the best sweet in the house, the mm-hmm. highest place, the best place. And at one time, when I was starting to perform regularly, I was like I like a stage name, and you know what? I, and somebody said, how about sweet as in S W E E T? Right. And I was like, hmm. Let's play with that. Uh-huh. And I, I threw sweet out there as it is now, and it's stuck, as they say. And it say. has that musical connotation to and it. it has and a yeah, con- and great. they play this, this song called Candy by Cameo. When I come on stage, I tell everybody, you got to have your own superpower mm-hmm. and your superman, superwoman um, theme song. Mm-hmm. So that's my theme song. And so we've just grown with it as, as I grow. Well, so much more to pursue, but let me first remind our listeners that you're tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Sweet Friend Sean, a performer and poet and composer and um, just wonderful personality. Um, sweet. Uh, a little bit about the business side of what you do. You mentioned, I think, micro business. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you talk about how your art sort of evolved uh, from the business perspective? Absolutely. One thing that I learned um, as I was looking for venues and things like that to create shows is that I had to know how to negotiate. I had to know how to read a contract. I had to um, 
understand and and be able to sell my pr- product as well to get the buy-in of that that um, venue. And um, like I said, I've always, I've, as my mom would say, she says I've been a serial entrepreneur. You know, I've always tried <laughs> something, and. I've always, I read books about business for fun, how to start, that's what I read for fun. Like, you know, when people want to read love story, I want to read business books, you know. And um, I noticed that people don't take artists, particularly poets, seriously. They never want to pay you. They never want to consider you a professional. So I started doing research on what I needed to do to be respected more as a professional. So, and just creating your own production is business in itself Mm -hmm. and to Mm -hmm. be able to sustain it for as long as I have and I realized that when artists come to me that they have no clue they just want to perform and I'm like you got to do more than perform you have to create yourself as a brand as a personality as whatever your through your gift and you have to be able to present it professionally so I actually do coaching right now um to artists to help them be those who especially want to be remain independent artists so they can remain you know, um, continue to have their own um, creative outlet without having someone change them, help them, guide them through all of that. I start them off from just the fact that you need to register as a business, first Mm -hmm. and foremost, Mm -hmm. and you need to separate the two. It was a hard lesson for me to learn. I didn't realize that. And I had to realize I'm sweet Fran Sean, but I'm Fran Sean Roberts Beaks legally, you Mm -hmm. know. So I had to learn to separate the two and start operating that way. And I take them from that process to branding, to marketing, to promotions, to even producing their own shows and building their brand around them, helping them with recording, um, negotiate contracts with that. So I've because nobody's getting big deals anymore, mm-hmm. and especially when you're a poet, you're a performer, or you have a different voice. It takes a long time, and you have to be able to create or at least find those venues and those people who want to hear what you have to say. So I help guide them to that. It's so important. It's good we want to perform, but we can't just perform, or you'll always be what I call, they say, a starving artist, and I don't believe in that myth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, putting on a show is not the same thing as running a business. It's it's different skill sets that, I mean, you have put together right. and, and make it work. Could you speak to what some of the... Uh, big challenges have either been for you or for what you see in the artists that you work with who are trying to get started? The hardest challenge is knowing, is developing your brand. I almost approach it just like a business. You know, you have your mission statement, your vision, your mission statement, and then you have these bullets of summaries of what you're trying to accomplish. I start there. That's the hardest people thing for an artist to sit down and do. Because mm-hmm. I said you have no focus, you have no idea where you're going, you can which direction you're going to go until you do that. So that's what is your vision for yourself? What's your mission? What is your mission? What are you trying to say? What is it that the message you want to give? And that way you can be consistent. That way you you know which gigs to say yes to. You're not all over the place mm-hmm. gigging somewhere that really isn't your market or it's not the people who want to hear your message. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. so important. And it's hard for artists to grasp that concept. But I, And it starts the business process as well mm-hmm. for them. That's interesting that you say uh, you need to know when to say no. Yes. Uh, could you speak to that a little bit? Because oh, uh, I think that uh, I can imagine that must be really difficult when you're really trying to make a living yes. from what you do. But you, you, if you, sometimes you're going to say no more than yes because if you're very clear on your message, who wants to see you, what type of 
audience will be receptive to you, then you'll know when to say no because you is it's not worth it's qual quality over quantity for me. I mm-hmm. think if you take that approach nine times out of ten, you'll be okay. And um, it's hard because you're like, oh, I need seventy five dollars. I need a hundred dollars. But you also get more for your buck if you're in front of people who will receive you well. And guess what? If you do what I say and have merchandise and product, then not only will you get paid for the gig, you'll have people there who like you and want to take something home. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then you'll make even more money. Mm -hmm. So it can be a good night even if it's only 20 people in a room. I mean, what I'm hearing in the back of my head as you speak is 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 sort of commitment to artistic integrity. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. But you have to define that right, first. Right. And I think a lot of artists we don't define it. We, you know, it's like when you talk to anybody in business, they say, "Well, who's your target market?" They go, "Everybody." I go, eh, wrong answer. Come back to, <laughs> to me when you do some homework. Right. Same same concept. It's just that I help them um, develop it on the artistic side. Interesting. What what have been some of your inspirations? What has inspired you in in moving forward in your career in particular poems that you've written or songs that you've composed? Mostly, um, you know, we call it peace, love, and poetry. I say because it's a. I have a moral I made on my wall at home because I strive for peace. I'm not always peaceful. I'm human like everyone else. I believe in love. I believe love is the healer and the unifying thing of all things. And um, I believe life is like a poem, you know. Um, so with that being said, all of it is, is um, how do I say it? All of it is inspirational to me. Just wanting to live a quality life and not get stuck in the collective negativity that's out here. And having a, knowing what my values are and wanting to... Wanting to see the world in a better place and wanting to contribute to that is my overall inspiration. Throughout my journey, it's always been my grandmother, you know, my great-grandmother was strong, strong women, very brilliant women who just shared and they didn't care too much about money. They, we all, they always had, and I didn't realize they had a consciousness that I always have enough. Mm-hmm. And they always had enough, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so they've been my inspiration. My mother, who's a very gentle spirit, and I always get—I'm always amazed by how gentle she is, no matter what she goes through. And um, you know, again, sometimes it's strangers you meet. You know, God puts those people in your path. Sometimes it's experiences that you just need to get out. And from artistic standpoint, I study people that I admire, like Bill Duke, a famous director. Um, uh, Natase Shenga is one of my favorite, favorite um, poets. Um, Rumi is one of my favorite poets. Khalil Gibran, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I love his work. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm inspired virtually through through reading, which I've always been a reader, mm-hmm. um, and literally just wanting to be at peace and feel like that. When I when I'm gone, that I've contributed the way I wanted to contribute, and it wasn't forced upon me. Mm-hmm. What what does your artistic process look like? Are you one that y- you need the solitude to to think and contemplate and write, or or is it more in the context of the busyness of the day? Wow, it's, sometimes it's both, and I want to say that to artists. Sometimes it's both. There's times when I'm not creating because I'm in a, in a busyness, and sometimes that busyness, a theme, a poem, a title, a verse, or something, will come to me. 
But then there's moments when nothing happens and I'm so busy being busy that I'm like, oh, it's time to sit down. And for me, walking is a form of meditation. So I like to walk by water. Fortunately for me, you know, Wilmington has some great parts. So um, um, I go walking. And or I sit still under my tree in the backyard, and that helps. So it, de- it really depends, but you have to know you. Mm-hmm. You have to know you. I'm a night owl. I really find that at night, that quiet, that peace, I can get so much done, not only from a creative standpoint, but from a business standpoint. I can focus better at night. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, before we run out of time, I, I want you to have an opportunity to tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and and uh, your, your work as well as the services that you provide for artists. Great. Thank you. Um, you can find me at any social media under Sweet Franchon. I'm going to spell it for you. S-U-I-T-E-F-R-A-N-C-H-O-N. And the website is peacelovepoetry.us. That's really, it's really easy. As they say, young people say, Google me. You'll find me. <laughs> do, you, do you have any events coming up? Or? Yes, we have a lot going on. Uh-huh. Um, I, I confirm tomorrow, but uh, suddenly, um, the, thanks to the Carmel Nichols staff, we'll be doing a small festival September 3rd uh-huh. over at Fort Christina Park. Um, East 7th Street is beautiful. It's by the water. It's, yeah. tree. it's yeah. beautiful. And it's been closed for 10 years. So I'm excited to right. be the first person. I've been kind of like stalking it for years, uh-huh. right? <laughs> and so when they call me, say, so we have your proposal for 2017. We'd love for you to do it this year. I'm like, oh, but I think we can pull it off. I talked to my staff and crew. They said, let's go. We're going to go for that. So um, that's September 3rd? September 3rd. Labor Saturday, Day weekend. Labor Saturday. Day weekend, mm-hmm. I was say. Yep. yep. It's our first piece of poetry in the park because we believe love is a revolutionary act mm-hmm. and then i september 22nd i'm at world cafe live for our regular um peace love and poetry soul opera and then august 19th oh i forgot i have a whitney houston tribute also world cafe live it's a really full calendar all the way through december i have a whole slew but the one i want you to support the two that's very important it's most important are the September 3rd, our first festival, Peace, Love, and Poetry in the Park, and September 22nd. And quickly, your website again? PeaceLovePoetry.us. Great. Well, Sweet Friend Sean has been really a delight chatting with you Thank today. You so Thank you so much for, for having me. Us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to Division of Arts. I appreciate you.